Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to have Julianne Neely with us today. She comes to us from Chicago, and she is both a parent and a professional in the world of working with children with special needs. So, Julianne, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So, can you give us a little bit of background on both who you are as a parent and who you are as a professional? Yeah, sure. I wear a lot of hats. I am a clinical social worker and child therapist by training. I am also the founder and executive director of Individual and Family Connection. It's a pediatric therapy practice in Chicago. And then I am also a specialized foster parent of children with a variety of overlapping developmental, mental health, and medical challenges. So I have learned a lot along my journey, and I'm excited to hopefully share a little window into it. Excellent. And how long have you been a foster parent? So going on a little over seven years now. And how many foster um, children have you had in that time? Do you know? So I, seven years ago, brought um, my first foster child home from the NICU, and she is still in my home. Um, And then A second little guy came about 11 months later, and he actually, I just adopted him in. Um, He is now my forever little guy. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, I think there's a lot. It's, I don't know, foster care is messy. You know, there's, there's loss involved and there's, there's, but you know, it's, it's, um, it's, I have learned a lot along the way, and it has been such a gift to raise both of them. So, Excellent. So that kind of dives into our next question. Can you tell us um, some of your insights, some of your experience? And you can bring in both the professional and um, the foster care experience, foster parent experience of um, working and raising and living with um, children with special needs. Yeah, I think I went into both things with a very idealized view. Like I went into being a foster parent, and I was like, it's going to be this amazing thing. I'm going to be empowering birth parents, and it's going to be so beautiful, and, like, it's going to be great because I'm a social worker, and I know all the things. I didn't know anything. Like, I thought I knew everything, but I didn't know anything. Um, so, yeah, this is way messier than I thought it would be, and I think um, it's really hard to sometimes separate those two pieces of myself where I think, like, you know, I'm going to be able to put on my social worker hat and be really neutral and unbiased with the situation. It's like, well, I'm also coming here as like this child's caregiver. And so I'm not. Um, there were times where that got really messy and hard, really hard. And so holding space for all of those things is difficult. Having a support system is crucial. I, um, when my daughter first came to me, she had a, uh, she still has it, but she has a, she has a feeding tube. And I did not know the first thing about feeding tubes. So lo and behold, I found myself on Facebook. Like, um, excuse me, (laughs) does anyone else out there have a feeding tube and can like give me advice? And so, yeah, I found a huge network of parents through Facebook, you know, originally about feeding tubes, later through like parenting kids who've been through trauma, all these different things. And I have found some really great support because there's so much overlap. You know, there's, There's the trauma piece, there's the medical piece, there's the developmental differences piece, there's all these different pieces that make up who my kids are, and I sort of, like, need different support for different things, and I have been able to find that 
through social media in a lot of ways, which is wild because we talked a lot about the dangers of social media, but there's also some really great things about it. So, so what are some of the things that you've learned through the through um, social media and or through other avenues of your either professional work or um, as your work as a foster parent to really help support um, the kiddos in your house? Yeah, I think um, one of the things I've learned along the way is that you know, there's no, how to say this, like there's, as a, as a, as a foster parent and as a therapist, like it's not your job to fix people. And I, I've learned a lot about like the social model of disability and sort of just like everybody, like we're trying to normalize and destigmatize all of the things that our kids bring to the table. And so if we can look at them as like these beautiful, incredible little people that are doing the best they can, and instead look at like, how do we support them? Not how do we change them? How do we fix them? But it's like, how do we better understand them? And how do we better support them and make the world more accessible to them? It changes everything. It takes the pressure off of me as a parent. It takes the pressure off us to be fixing the situation. And it really just becomes about connection and about like interpreting, like interpreting what does this child's behavior mean? What is what does he need in this moment? What does mom need in this moment? Because mom has a lot of needs too. Like as a parent, I had this idealized version that now I need to grieve <laughs> and I need to figure out like who I am as a parent actually in the day-to-day -day world and accepting my little people for who they are and seeing all their strengths and their beauty and all the wonderful things they bring to their table that we can miss when we're really focused on their behavior and focused on fixing them. Yeah. And so how do you help um, your patients, clients, people who come to your practice? How do you help parents kind of through that process? Because I'm sure that that's also a way that you kind of helped yourself to, to really focus on those strengths-based. Yeah. That, I mean, being a parent has been such a gift to being a therapist. And I love a lot of what I do now in my work is training other therapists. And so I love that I get to do that now and sort of give them that lens as well. Because it's a lot about empathy. Like if a parent comes to the table and this isn't what they thought parenting was going to look like, we have a lot of empathy for them and help them grieve and go through their process so they can really accept and be present with their child for who their child is and that they can go through that journey together. Um, there is, it sounds so cheesy, but there is this look a child gets in their eyes and they're feeling really deeply understood for the first time. And it is the most beautiful thing. A lot of the kids that I work with um, come with trauma. And so sometimes they don't even know why they do what they do. They might, you know, like do some, they're, they're, if their trauma is pre-verbal, they might have a trigger or a response that makes no sense to them and makes no sense to their parent. And everybody's feeling powerless and frustrated and like, how do we make this stop? And one of my favorite things to do is like, okay, well, let's like be detectives together. Let's figure out what's happening here. Let's figure out why you're having that trigger, why you're having that response and make sense of it. And so when for the first time that child's like, you're making sense of my world and now my mom understands me and I understand me. And it's like, you just unlocked something for them. It's so beautiful and so powerful. One of my favorite things about therapy, a lot of it is just being a detective. Like, let's figure out 
why this is happening, what you're really trying to communicate here so that we can help you better connect to your mom and your world and your teacher and your friends. Um, but like at the bottom, at the end of the day, we have to accept the child for who they are and what they bring to the table and not judge it. Because if we come at it with judgment and trying to fix it and we're looking at them like they're doing something wrong, they're not going to, we're not going to be able to really explore with curiosity what's really going on. And would you say that the detective work that you're talking about ends or is it something that you continue throughout your time as a parent? It's forever. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's also teaching the child to be a detective for themselves. One of the things that like, it's sort of like, okay, you're ready to graduate from therapy is like when the child can do it themselves. When they come to therapy and they're like, I did this really confusing thing, but then I thought really deeply about it and I figured out why I was doing it. And this was why and da da da. And like, they can be that detective for themselves or they can come to mom and be like, or dad and be like, hey, I had this like really confusing weird thing come up. I responded this way. It didn't make any sense. And they can be detectives non-judgmentally with empathy and compassion and curiosity together. Like they don't need me anymore. So it's all about teaching them to be able to do that and get everybody in the space to be able to do that so they can carry that work through to the rest of their lives. Excellent. Yeah, that's all like, um, so in the world of early childhood education and from educators, like that's something that I definitely tell educators, like you have to be detectives, like you have to understand those challenging behaviors. And it sounds like it's really supported in the therapy world also, which is great that we're just kind of combining and saying, get the message from various places, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Because if we get too stuck in the behavior, we're going to start taking it personally. We're going to think like, mom's gonna think I'm doing something wrong as a parent or you know like it's there's just so much shame in it if we really focus too heavily on the behavior that nobody needs I mean we're getting enough shame at the grocery store when our child is throwing a fit um we don't need it for ourselves like we need to put it on ourselves right for sure so then kind of um, coming to our last question, and since you have multiple hats, I would wonder if you could do it from like a therapist hat, from a foster parent hat. What do you wish you knew before you started your journey? As a parent, as a therapist, what do you wish you knew for parents who may be starting their journey right now? So much. I wish I knew so much. Um, I, wish I, had, I wish I had better understood um, the social model of disability and sort of like, there's no good and bad. There's no right and wrong. It's not that simple. <laughs> so I wish I would have understood that you, you know, like I was saying, you really don't have to fix anybody. And, you know, I think there's so many things we learn in grad school. And even like we read all these parenting books and we just have this vision of what the future is going to look like which is great. We want as many tools as we can, and we can incorporate those things and integrate those things along the way. Um, but being able to sort of like do it in the day-to-day -day moment, it looks so different and it's so much deeper. Like, I think I had understood like as a therapist, like, okay, or, you know, as a social worker learning in school, like, okay, I understand that disproportionality and racism is a really big part of foster care. But I didn't know what that looked like in the day-to-day -day until I was in it. And I'm like, oh, wow, we are treating people a certain way based on our own bias 
And and I don't think I really understood that until I was in the moment. And so I think, you know, you come at it with all this idealism, which is great. New professionals coming in it, like that's great. But I think we also have to just be really individualized and not not in a way like really look at the child and the parents and see like what do they need specifically like not every parent is going to be able to do a behavior chart and that's fine not every child is going to benefit from that thing you think is like the gold standard it's really meeting the child and the parent where they at where they're at and being those detectives and exploring it and just kind of taking off whatever you think is the best thing as a parent or a therapist and just meeting your child or meeting your client where they are. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. So is there anything that you wish I would have asked or that you wish would have come up that you want to share with our listeners? Um, hmm. I think you asked some really great questions. <laughs> I guess one of the things I'll say too is that the neuroscience is growing and exploding all the time. And so it's so important to always be a learner and a listener, like with our clients, yes, but also like with the research, like things are growing and changing so much since I even graduated grad school. <laughs> like when I thought 10 years ago, this is the way it is. It's like, well, now we know so much more about the brain and behavior. And we know we have all this really rich information. And so just not to get stuck in what you think is the best way or the way because things are growing and evolving and we have to adapt and grow with the research. Absolutely. Well, Julianne, thank you so much for coming on as a guest today. Um, you gave so many new perspectives that we haven't had on our podcast yet. So I truly appreciate it. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to our podcast from Starnet regions one and three. If you'd like to find out more about us, please visit us at starnet.org.